0: Matt G, what's happening? Welcome to Hangry and Horny, buddy. Thank you. Nice to have you here on finally. It's a pleasure to be with you. Oh, man, it's such an honor, man. And uh, if you could, can you let the audience know a little bit of your background and, you know, um, with the Thunder Park and um, even like how you got into BMX? Okay, well, um, I'm a
1: BMXer. <laughs> I may not look like one, but um, that's my life passion. And I try and find ways to keep doing that in everything that I do. So my story is that when I was nine, I went to my dad's work and he had a mechanics garage and where they sat and had their tea breaks and lunch, there was a, a bicycle frame sitting up on the shelf and it was a shiny chrome one. And I asked, could I see it? And I was told no, because it wasn't mine. And I went home and told mom, and uh, she must have give off for me. And (laughs) later that year, I got it as my ninth birthday present from my brother. And I've been obsessed ever since.
0: Incredible. So you got a Chrome one for your birthday? I got a Chrome GT Performer. For my ninth birthday. That's amazing, man. I got a Chrome BMX, my very first one, on my uh, 10th saying. birthday. Yeah, So that's why I love BMX, you know? Yeah. And, um, yeah, so, like, Judy and I, we uh, met you, well, actually, I met you early on because of the Magic Flow Bus event that we were putting on. That's right. We have a mutual friend, and we were looking for a location. And uh, we were just blown away by your park, man, like the size of the ramps. Mm-hmm. And then uh, fast forward, I think, like, a couple of years later, uh, we reconnected and started, like, riding at your park, you yeah. know. And and I've always had the dream of riding uh, ramps. And through your help and Mikey, Hendo, um, you know, Judy and I have been able to, like, face our fears. And that's the thing that I wanted to, like, get into, um on top of your story it's just the fact that you guys have figured out a way to break down skills to like micro levels so that you you're never going past like beyond what you don't like you're you're going a little bit past your comfort comfort zone so you guys seem to like Uh, where they say, like, chunk it down to a smaller bit that you can actually handle. Yeah, like little bite-sized pieces. Yeah, exactly. And then you Mm. string them along to Mm -hmm. the point where you go, wow, I never thought I could do that, right? Exactly. I remember looking at the big ramp that goes into the foam pit the very first time i was like wow how do you even like begin that right yeah and that's the thing what you guys do is literally have like a small ramp next to a little medium ramp next to like a larger ramp and then like progression yeah the progression so um when you started and you got your bike at nine Mm -hmm. years old right Did you learn the hard way or like, how did you- I absolutely learned the hard way
1: (laughs) and my legs will prove it. (laughs) Um, I think within 15 minutes of getting that bike, I could do two tricks. Really? Yeah. I was just so hyped. I had like a hundred percent energy and enthusiasm for that bike because, well, I wanted to see it for ages and my brother was already into bikes, but not for doing tricks He actually pulled them out of the dump, did them up because dad showed him how to work with his hands and he sold them for like to make his own money, you know, and I thought that was so cool. You could go into the garage at our house and there would be bikes hanging up and they would be a big pile of rust one day and they would be like sitting like new a week later and that was all my brother. Now, I don't ever remember him doing tricks, but he always had bikes about him. Okay. Um, Never gave me any. he didn't even give me a go on his. But this one particular time, that particular bike I asked about, he gave it to me. And from that, literally that second it was in my hands, I was like, this is it. This is epic, you know. I hadn't even seen tricks before. I just looked at the bike and was like, I just want to touch it because it's shiny. You know, like there aren't very many other bikes that are chrome Mm -hmm. other than BMXs. Yes. So he built this bike and gave it to me and... I went out into the front driveway, and I think I did an endo, where you pull the front brake and the back wheel lifts up. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. And then you just jump the bike off the ground, the bunny hop. I'm pretty sure I coined both of them (laughs) in the first hour. Amazing, man. And that was it. I was just like, this is the best thing ever. And did you have like an athletic background before
0: riding? Yes. Okay. Okay.
1: So when you're ginger, you gotta you gotta be good at sports.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's the point. Uh, that's kind of funny that you brought that up. But we should do a little cheers with some Irish whiskey. Sure, sure. Yeah, cheers. cheers. First time uh, drinking ginger. whiskey. With a Coke. <laughs> it's gonna make me a man. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, being ginger. Yo, you got recruited. <laughs> To just smash,
1: yeah. Um, <laughs> when I when I played football as a kid, I was a, a centre back, and my nickname, my coach nicknamed me "Psycho," <laughs> because I would relentlessly do whatever was needed to either get the ball up the pitch or away from the goal. And I just like ran and ran and ran and ran. And thinking back on it now, that's really funny. I actually think the coach Davey's now passed away, but um, thanks for the nickname, Dave. I think I've lived up to it in a couple of ways. But um, yeah, I I loved sports. I loved running, I loved jumping, I loved track and field. Uh, In school, I loved every kind of sports. I wanted to win it all. I wanted to, I was just super competitive. And when I got a BMX, I was super competitive. I was like this is great. I love it. I want to be the best. I want to be better than everybody. But I always wanted to do it socially. So, you know, you can do BMX. It's a it's not a team sport. You can do it on your own on your own time, on your own terms, and I did that, but I find it most enjoyable when I did it with people. Okay. And that's, you know, that's something I maintain to this day, you know, it's so social. You know, you can I have so many friends all over the world. And the only thing we have in common is riding small bikes. And we're really sort of content and motivated in each other's company. But I mean, outside of bikes, maybe we don't share any interests at all, but you know, when we're there together and doing it, it's just, it's awesome.
0: Yeah, it's one of the my favorite communities, you know, because uh, everybody's really friendly and helpful. Um, you know, I won't name any sports, but some of the other communities can be a little bit Uh, more intimidating they may have like a chip on their shoulder um you know I I don't know why like the BMXers seem to be a little bit more down to earth and friendlier um but you know that's what it is (laughs) well I mean I think
1: you can you can be part of somebody else's success a lot in BMX for example I'll take uh, one of my best buddies Mikey and I We are super competitive with each other and have been forever. But if he's learning a new trick and I'm there and I'm giving him a bit of feedback um, that gets him closer to the trick and then he does it, I feel part of his success and he does the same for me and he feels part of my success. So we're getting better because of each other, you know, and that's really satisfying and you form really good bonds with that. And I mean, I met that guy Like well over twenty years ago, because he fell off, showing off to me. He'll he'll not say he was, but he definitely (laughs) was. Yeah, he was like, "Hey, I'm I'm the older guy. I got a good bike. I'm going to show this kid what's up." And his brake lever caught in his pocket, and he fell really bad. (laughs) Yeah, like proper fall. And I kind of just thought, jeepers I need to go and see if he's all right." So I went over and kind of. He was completely tangled in his bike because of the way he fell. It was super gnarly, and I kind of helped him to his car. And then that was it. We've been buddies ever since. That's amazing. Traveled all over Europe together,
0: started businesses together, done all sorts of things. <laughs> so the thing is you were mentioning that you guys would give each other feedback and like feel part of that success. Yeah. You know, when you're the guy, the other guy that you're helping coaching, like actually. Yeah, so like, we like
1: coached each other yeah. for like well over a decade. And
0: so that's not happening with the other sport, the action sport?
1: Oh, I would say it is,
0: yeah. Okay. Yeah. I the, think
1: like that type of bond we have it's it's the same for skateboarding same for rollerblading same for the scooter guys same for the parkour guys um
0: but, but what's it's nice to deal it's, with like like skaters then you know it's it it's it um like an economic thing where like someone can't afford a bike versus a skateboard or like why would i growing up in san francisco you know, it was a pretty, pretty huge skate scene. Mm. Um, you know, we did see some BMX guys, but it was pretty rare. It was more like skaters and, you know, obviously they're they're doing tricks off of like concrete and, you know, all kinds of whatever they could find to just grind. Mm -hmm. And, um, they've been known, I don't know, maybe if they just had a bad rap or something, you know, in terms of just defacing, uh, public property you mean skaters skaters yeah skateboarders um whereas like i don't know i never really saw bmx riders just grinding off of like you know different concrete places and oh they absolutely do yeah yeah i mean you know i think by that point they did have like those little um at stoppers uh they had those but like for the bmx the actual like the the post that comes off the wheel oh yeah trick nuts yeah yeah it's a, like they actually started to use that but um but yeah i was always curious like why as a group you would always see the skaters were more like that jackass side where they mm-hmm. always like egg at each other on and um sometimes there'd be like fist fights and stuff and you know um illegal activity. I've always like wondered why that was happening with them versus like BMX. Like why was it so different? I actually don't even think it is different. Okay. I think they pretty I think we're all
1: pretty much in it for the same reason. Yeah. Um there's a lot of freedom. You know, it's not like there's a skateboard rule book. You know, when you start, you know, playing soccer, football, rugby, hockey, tennis, anything in school there's this infrastructure and these rules and there's coaches and there's ways to do it. And then you grab a skateboard or you grab a bike or a set of rollerblades and you're just like, I'll do whatever I want, my way, my terms. Now I don't always think it's a rebel thing. Okay. You know, it's not like people are getting into skate as the sort of two fingers to the man type of thing. But ultimately, there's a lot of freedom to be had. And, you know, you're making a lot of your own decisions and you're forming bonds with other people when you're all kind of like it's, like... it's like managing risk, but on your own terms. It's really exciting. You know what I mean? You're not looking for someone else to tell you how to do it, or you should this or you should that. Now, don't get me wrong. In the actual business we run, we actually add a little bit of structure into the unstructuredness of the sports. But that's really only to stay in business you know like as a business trying to promote urban sports we need to be seen to be doing things safely and in a sort of risk managed way so that means helmets that means like introductory coaching workshops which i think are an amazing thing but if you just want to grab a bike or a board and go and do your own thing you absolutely can and we see it worldwide so I don't really think skating is different to BMX, but I think the point that you're making is when you first asked, do people get into skateboarding because bikes are too expensive? Maybe. You know, you can have a really good skateboard, I think, for 100 quid, whereas a really good bike starts at 400. Now, I know it wasn't like that back in the day because my first ever brand new BMX, jeepers, I was BMX many years before I had a brand new bike. I was just like secondhand, everything out of the dump, whatever my buddies would give me, you know, anything like that. My first bike was 170 quid, brand new. Okay. And, it and what was, year was that? Mm, mm, 99, 99, 2000. Okay. Wow. Okay. It might've even been
0: 2001.
1: Yeah. So I remember. I my uh, first like actually out of the box
0: new bike, BMX. Right yeah i remember like back in like 87 when i got my chrome bike um i don't know what my mother had paid for it but when we were shopping i remember you know these brand new bmx's were anywhere from like 150 to 250 and up uh, mm-hmm. u.s dollars like back in like the, the 80s right mm. um So I don't know what skateboards were, but imagine like they were significantly uh, cheaper. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. By today's standards, a decent skateboard is 100 quid. Yeah. Okay. Uh, You you, you can buy better than that. But I mean, we sell skateboards, complete ones in Thunder Park. Okay. And I think the best quality complete board we have is about 110 pounds. That's a good deck. Good, you know, decent trucks, decent wheels, decent bearings. If you're going along the same path translated in a BMX, you're talking minimum 450 okay and the equivalent so yeah and, you know maybe that is the reason why yeah. people get into ski because
0: way more affordable right right so that's the thing like if you think about like in basketball um the economics of who's playing who's starting are usually lower income like because you only just need like A whatever one shoe. Ball yeah one ball, you ball your shoes and then like right whereas um and, and back to your point in regards to like structure of all these other sports that are typical conventional sports where you have to actually go to a place, there's structure, there's coaches, there's like a tradition where this stuff like sort of came out of, you know, of course, people were biking and skateboarding, like probably in the 50s, 60s. But, you know, as soon as like the 70s were rolling, especially the late 70s, like people started like doing tricks and it really got hot like in the 80s, um, especially with all the cool. Just growing up for me, just seeing like my cousins and then people um, on VHS tapes, you know, we were watching like different skate movies, uh, you know, surf movies and BMX stuff. So it was just really cool to see the scene like from the beginning on my end. Mm. Um, but to your point you can literally just step out of your house and like go somewhere and ride. So like we would ride like with all our buddies a BMX, kind of like ET Goonie style. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, um, every so often like somebody would like jump off a curb or like try to do a wheelie. Um, I didn't hang out with many guys that actually would like do ramps, but we try to build a ramp and I just would just go for it, man. I, I've, literally fuck myself up you know? <laughs> um and be like a laughing stock everybody because i had like the um the courage to like just go for it yeah but i didn't know the progressions yeah so um i didn't know like how to like position my body in the air either right exactly so, and um so you guys have freedom it's different from conventional sports you end up getting your bmx right Mm -hmm. um did you completely quit like school sports or okay
1: i I just loved sports so i actually i'm pretty sure the time that i started bmx and i quit like cubs and scouts like cubs and scouts is like a really big thing worldwide and i mean it's it's a great way for your parents to just go take my kids (laughs) <laughs> and do something with them. send them home with skills you know what I mean but um, my experience of scouts as much as it was fun I, like I unfortunately experienced the really negative side of it and there was just tons of bullying you know the, there was a lot of camaraderie but like sorry somebody had to be the someone was the target you know someone's always the joke and being the ginger guy you know I kind of got a little bit tortured in cubs and scouts and it just it got boring you know what I mean it's just like I can run faster than you. I can jump higher than you. I could probably knock you out in a punch, but you're not going to stop giving me gyps. So I'm just like, I'm tired of listening to it. I'm going to go and BMX. So I did. I'm pretty sure it was around about that time where I kind of said to mom, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm just not interested in it. I like it, but the crap that goes along with it is just a bit boring. So I stopped that and got into BMX. But right up until, well, geez, even now, you know, the, my whole way through high school, I think I set a shot put record that never was broken and the school's knocked down so I got that one forever (laughs) (laughs) it's immortalized (laughs) yeah Uh, no I I enjoyed all parts of um, sports, I like running I like long jump, I like javelin shot put, football rugby, basket. like everything you could do in school, extracurricular, I did it pretty much everything and I always enjoyed it um so i'd be doing i'd be doing something physical pretty much all the time I i was never overly academic never really read jeepers i only read my first well i'd read under five books in my whole life until lockdown i've only just started reading i would much rather go and run or cycle or swim or just do anything because like i know what it's like to experience the buzz of physical activity I know loads of people don't because until you really push yourself and you're absolutely exhausted and then when you're resting after your exercise, you're like, wow, I feel amazing. I know what that's like. And I wish I could get other people to experience that too. Uh, People who are close to me, you know, people who would say, oh, I don't like, I don't like exercise. I'm like, what? You're not even living? Come on. Don't like, I don't like exercise. I've heard that. And maybe somebody watching this will remember they yeah, said yeah. that to me. But, you know, it's just one of those things. You I, grow up either being introduced
0: to it positively or finding a way to avoid it. I just think that people, the same kind of thing, that they weren't given the proper progression. And you have a lot of uh, coaches and trainers out there that are literally putting people through the worst, horrendous, ex- just exhausting workout on people like first time. And there's going to be sore for probably weeks and you know after their very first introduction so whether it's probably like physical education class in uh, in school too may not have been like pleasant too right because like you probably had like a PE teacher that didn't want to be there or was like a jerk or didn't or. even do physical activity themselves right they would just like do this do that yeah 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 exactly right so you have that that combination of things and and Cause like what kid doesn't like to play, right? Like where did where that? I mean, if you think about exercise, if you could just turn it into play, or reduce it to some kind of progression where the person doesn't feel like they've just been beat up in a fight or something, right? Mm. And uh, and I think that's the same thing where you, uh, Mikey and Hendo really helped Judy and I with the progression of BMX to a point where we're looking back after a year or even two years now. And it's, we're just like, wow, that's incredible. Like what we could do, where if we look at like where we are now to where we, we started, if we looked at ourselves now, we would have been like, like, wow, you you guys are gods. Right. And, and, um, yeah, so, so you can full on ride skate parks. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and I, that was my epic. dream my whole life cuz we didn't have the resources, right? We didn't have um I think that's the other bit to the question too is when we were coming up you in the 90s, me in the 80s like there wasn't any like skate parks so much maybe more in, in in California where I'm from, but that was just starting to come out like in the 2000s so we didn't really have access to these things unless we actually built the ramps ourselves. Um, so yeah, I'm just like going off on a tangent, but like literally the exercise part is like, we feel good, but if you could turn it into plays, you can change it into a, a thing where you're progressing a little bit over time where you're building your capacity over time, you're not getting sore, you're not, you know, no pain, no gain kind of thing. Yeah. Um, The same with uh, all the action sports. You guys seem to get it right, where you you broke it down to these, like, little bite-sized chunks. Yeah. Um, So
1: there's loads of different ways to sort of look at what you're saying, right? So I can relate to that in a sense of Maxwell, my kid. He actually doesn't like exercise. So if I wanna take him for a long walk, he wants carried. But if I turn that long walk into a cycle on a bike, where we're up and down things and whatever, like turn an adventure into it, he will pedal for hours and hours and hours. I have had him pedaling a seriously long distance. Like we've maybe done like two miles already and he's five, you know, he would never walk that. Or maybe he would, but you know, he's kind of, as soon as he feels a little bit of a burn or whatever, you know, he's like sits down, wants carried. Put them on a bike, make it fun, go for days, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um,
0: but so there's there, like a monotony that people avoid, you know, like walking or if you're just like mindless, mindlessly pushing weights up and down, right? Yeah. There's no fun to it.
1: Yeah. Well, I guess it's all about your, your mindset beforehand, isn't it? You know, I don't enjoy going doing mundane things in the gym, but I enjoy... An adventure of some kind. So, I would, I would say I would never. I've maybe done it once or twice. I would never go to the gym and sit on a on a on a bicycle and pedal for ten kilometers. I would just get my bike and go and cycle for ten kilometers, and see the sea and see whatever I can see while I'm out and about. You know, because that makes it interesting. Um, so if you are going. And thinking about everything physical as a boring, repetitive process, yeah, of course, that's going to take the shine off for you. So I think if you can make it as creative as possible and make it little bite-sized bits, then it's more fun. So I'm kind of thinking to myself, you know, to pro- to promote urban sports to people who've never done it and let them think, well, you know, just try it. It's not It's not really boring. Or maybe it's the complete opposite of boring. Maybe it's like so much of an adrenaline buzz that it's exhausting for people i'm not quite sure like maybe you could tell me judy because i took you as somebody who'd never really touched a pmx i'm like right you're in a skate park get (laughs) over here you're rolling down this ramp and you're gonna enjoy it (laughs) and i think you did
2: totally totally loved
1: it but did that happen did you get like did you get that oh that that you know that drain of dread as to i don't want to hurt myself because that's like The number one thing that springs to everybody's mind. I'm going to get hurt. I don't want to get hurt. And I'm trying to think of ways to go like, right, okay, how can I take away this? I don't want to get hurt to, oh, I want to, I want to feel that. Mm. I want that buzz. Give us a go.
2: Oh, it's definitely there because yeah, first time on that BMX, I'm 40. I'm very aware of all the injuries I've had over the years, looking over the edge of that ramp thinking, geez, I could really, really hurt myself. Particularly the the half pipe one. Mm-hmm. Because the first time I did it, nobody was with me. You guys were all on the other side of the park going the other way. And I thought, oh, I'll just cover we go on this one. Didn't realise that you kind of really need to put the wheel like straight on rather than sideways. I went sideways and of course like Did you? Uh-huh. Me and the bike fell right down. That's why it took me I don't know how long, like six months, to get over that fear to do that like tiny half pipe. Mm. Because it was just like the fear of the pain and then you're kind of it my head was visualizing well i could like the handlebar could go in here and the pedal could go in there and it was kind of like oh geez but going off the other ramps like i was they were easier to do Mm. and every time i did one it was like that proper like i did that like super excited like beyond excited Mm -hmm. and it was like i did that and then bit by bit and sometimes i'm like in there with the other kids and they're like half my Half my height, you know, like, geez, I don't know what, you know, some of them are like four, five, six year old. No, they're more than that. Six, isn't it, in the park
1: and upwards? Yes, yeah, six up.
2: But some of them are like tiny little things on these like tiny little scooters and they're flying off these ramps. And I am like seriously having heart palpitations about going <laughs> up. <laughs> and they're like going for it. And they were so lovely as well, because that's the thing. Didn't matter who was in the park, whether those guys that were like amazing or older or the younger ones. They all waited and let me have a go as well. You mean, because it was like scary. I kind of needed to make sure that nobody's going to go in front of me. And, you know, even like little younger kids were encouraging me because mm-hmm. they could see I was scared. And you just yeah. think that's such a nice environment to have that in, isn't it? And it didn't matter my age. And it didn't matter that I've got gray hair and it didn't like it didn't matter. They were kind of like gunning for me. And you yeah. think that's really lovely.
0: I wanted to say something because that she made a uh, Judy made a great point with uh, the intimidation factor when you go to these like public places and there's there is this sort of um, you know fear like around one like doing something that you're not like ever really like tried before so one is like you're you're almost embarrassed to even try because you're you're doing this in front of like everybody right and then yeah. uh two is um you know like i said the the crowd the sort of typical crowd of uh action sports back in the days when i grew up in san francisco was it was pretty like intimidating because of the chip on the shoulder, maybe they're involved with other like illicit illegal activities. And, you know, so you you didn't like go to these places because, you know, you're worried that you're going to get jumped. Right. But I've been jumped before, like had my, my hat, my favorite hat taken by like a couple of older guys. Um, You know, I was like, wow, I'm not going to even bother trying to fight these guys. Right. They're just like whip my ass. Mm -hmm. So I just like gave them my hat. But I imagine I mean, I've heard a lot of stories of uh, people going to like a park with their bike or their skateboard and getting jacked, like their favorite bike and skateboard and like mm-hmm. a, a gang would come by and they'll just like take their stuff because that's where they would hang out. They would do drugs. Yeah. So it was really nice to be able to go to like an indoor park at Thunder Park with you guys. Uh, one, because it is very inviting and um you know obviously the ramps are intimidating but like judy was saying the community is very supportive you guys are really supported and um you know you don't you don't feel like you're gonna get jumped
1: (laughs) so if we're gonna if we're gonna talk about thunder park for a second um that's currently ireland's largest indoor urban sports park So urban sports park is a newly or recently coined term of skate park. But I'll tell you what, I didn't actually want to use the word skate park because of the exact stereotype that you just mentioned, okay? So, I mean, I must be, I'm a BMXer of 25 years. So I've seen a lot and I've experienced BMXing all around the UK and Ireland, in various parts of Europe, like France and Germany and Holland and Denmark and stuff, places I've gone to to meet friends and compete. And a lot of the places that you go to, you see skate parks and they have graffiti on them and there may be like a beer bottle lying around or like a, a blunt end or something. You know what yeah. I mean? You're just like, oh, this is a kind of a sketchy place. But actually, that's everywhere. You go to a kid's play park, you can find a beer bottle on a blunt. You go to a football pitch, you can find it. You go to a flipping bowling green, you can find it. It's not like it's exactly just skate parks, but it just so happens to be that you're always going to get that everywhere. That just so happens to be one of the places I believe has kind of held on to that stigma the longest. You know, like skaters or skate culture or people who go to skate parks have their hoodies up because they want to hide their identity. Never mind the fact that it's global fashion, you know or that it's an undesirable place. Don't get me wrong. I've been to skate parks all over the, all over the Europe. I was going to say the world, but that'd be a lie. <laughs> um, and there is that kind of vibe you're talking about everywhere. So I love the industry and what I do so much. I wanted to make sure that people experienced something that was the complete opposite of that. So of course, it's a skate park. And the term skate park is literally just a name for ramps, you know, that have a coping at the top and there are various shapes and sizes. It doesn't mean they're only for skateboards or they're only for rollerblades or only for scooters or only for bikes. A skate park's for everything. But I decided to not use the word skate park so that when I brought people into that environment, they experienced something that would break the stereotype in their mind. You know, I'm not gonna come in and see a load of people supping a beer stoned looking like they're undesirable you're going to come in and you're going to see clean and tidy and you're going to see smiling faces and you're going to be welcomed by staff who literally come and talk to you when you don't even want them to because they're checking if you're good or if you need a lesson or if you want advice and like that in my mind is only gonna develop and encourage more people into it you know because if everybody's thinking that it's dingy and undesirable then it's going to keep that stereotype and maybe people are going to get into it because they think it's cool. Oh yeah, I'm going, to, I'm going to maybe get into BMXing or skating and go to the skate park because then maybe I can buy weed. Like, I don't know, I'm just making this up. But, you know, I don't want that to be the only thought around skate parks. I want people to think that I can go here and I can invest my time and energy into becoming confident because I have confidence from being a BMXer. No doubt about it. You know, I wasn't, I was shy when I was younger. I didn't really sort of talk to girls or speak up too much. But when I got to a point when I was in my teens and I could do tricks and I knew that I could impress everybody around me, that changed things for me in my mind. And I held on to that right up till this morning where I had a really cool conversation with somebody who I'd never met before. And it gave me a lot of sort of, and inspiration about things that I want to do with the exact industry, the exact BMX or type person I'm identifying as I want to keep progressing that keep, you know, keep using it. So I can stay away from the real world of work for as long as possible <laughs> and enjoy it. And I mean, I got my confidence from biking. So did Mikey. So did Hendo. Mm. You know, you take Hendo, Mikey and I off bikes, which is guys. You know what I mean? Put us on bikes and we're kind of like
0: superheroes maybe to some people. Oh, definitely. Abilities. You guys are definitely like superheroes for us. I mean, I definitely had the background of, um, you know, playing uh, sports just like you as athletic, you know, even like when you threw frisbee with us for f- first time on the beach, you know. You that amazed got, me too. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. It's like, like it's there, like you just kind of had that um, aspect, but you know back to your point like you guys have developed yourself to a place where we just look at you guys like wow that's that's really superhuman. the the tricks that you could do the height that you can go to even if you bail your like cat like reflexes the ability to like roll out of it or slide out of it is super impressive to me your awareness like and if you talk about like they call it like vocabulary or Um, you know, in terms of like, let's say the English language or something, but you guys have a certain vocabulary, a mastery of being able to do like poems, right? Versus like someone just learning the language for the first time. And um, yeah, it's just, it's uh, incredible what you guys can do, you know? Um, But again, the fact that you guys started from somewhere just like anybody else and built yourself over time with the progression and then be able to like transfer that or transmit that to people beginning. So um, back to the early part, when you're talking about your Thunder Park, you know, th- like, see, that's the thing. It, it became an industry as I was growing up. It was just street. Mm-hmm. And then it started to get really huge you know, with the X Games and ESPN in America. And next, you know, like it hit the suburbs and people that had money. And then all of a sudden, like each city council started to build parts just because obviously, you know, the I don't know if the word is defamation of property or something, but they're literally saying, "Okay, look, these kids, they need a place to hang out they don't like to go to school or, you know, they don't like to play school sports Mm -hmm. or organized sports. So like, this is their outlet. Why don't we give them a place where they can go be a little community. So that was great, man, because like, not only whether the skate culture, you know, or the BMX culture, action sports, but like music started getting into the scene and the art. So they had a place to do like graffiti. That's right. Right. They had a place to like, listen to music, hang out. Um, so that was cool to see like that development in culture and progression that if you were one of those kids that were into the conventional stuff of school and like you know just regular sports but you liked this like sort of alternative scene then now you had like an option to go to that and it was like the resources were being built
1: yeah as i'm listening to you i'm actually you've made me think about my friend matt who is a DJ now? And he was he was my buddy whenever we started BMXing. So I got a bike around the time that he got a bike. So we were both into BMX together. And after BMX, or even while he was BMXing, he got into graffiti. And while he was getting really good at graffiti, his bike got stolen. And it was like such a good bike, he couldn't replace it it was just so valuable and his parents couldn't replace it so while he was waiting to try and get a new bike he got into music Mm. so that just like almost encompasses nearly the full kind of urban lifestyle and culture around what we love and do so he's went from being a bmxer to an artist now he's a dj and like he's a really well-known dj and i think it's class because you know he still respects his roots every now and again i'll get a message from him you know maybe it's the picture of his bike from. 20 years ago, or I'll see a bike like what he used to have for sale on eBay or something, and I'll send it to him and be like, how cool is that? Yeah. That's the bike you used to have, you know? So yeah. those, those cultures are all very much intertwined. You'll find that like DJs were BMXers or they are BMXers or BMXers are also artists or, you know, like even just before this conversation, I bumped into a girl who I haven't seen in years in the Yogurt tree in Bangor. And she's a graffiti artist and a DJ. And I'm thinking, well, if everything happens for a reason, I bumped into her, so I'm going to go and have a chat with her too. You know, because she's exactly the type of person who would really complement what we're doing at Thunder Park, either with her art or with her music. And she roller skates,
0: Amazing. you know? Yeah, it's really awesome. I mean, and, and so just to come back to how all of this has evolved yeah, and sort of this like cross pollination of like different, um, you know, art, to music, to sport, and like how everybody's like blending and they're like feeding off of each other, like creativity, uh, creativity wise. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't even say that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> but um, yeah, it's a, uh, it's just so so cool to see the uh, the growth of it. You know, from when I started, yeah, um, and then to actually see it go private. So in your case, you have like a private facility, mm-hmm. and to to be able to, I guess, maybe like control the environment to the place where you, to the point where you can make it safe for someone, you can make it comfortable, you can make it like warm and welcoming and you know there's the camaraderie that comes around with it and and um so what's cool is for judy and i being in our 40s that we can get to live out what we wanted to do as kids but it was just too intimidating or there was like cost factors or you know fear factors around being around that kind of culture and uh you know so what I love what you're doing is that you're literally providing a place for anybody to begin at any age yeah you know like even your dad was like going down ramps and he's like in his 70s right yeah that's right for father's day in his 70 when he was 70 I did a a BMX
1: lesson with him (laughs) and I kind of just asked him I was like listen will you do this and he's like yeah and I'm thinking great but I really need to make sure this goes okay (laughs) (laughs) and it did And he really enjoyed it. And it was like, you know what he's like? He's just so chilled out to him. It didn't even matter that it was his first BMX experience of his entire life at 70. And he just did it. I was like, listen, dad, you need to put your feet like this. You need to put your hands like that. Keep your body in this position and do this. And he just did it. He was like, he was like Max. He was going before I'd even showed him. And then I'm kind of running after him, you know, trying to control the elements for him or whatever. But you know what? He had a total blast so if I was to if I was to think what my kind of what I think my purpose is, I have like immersed myself in something for a long time that I really, really enjoy. I've met my wife doing it, I've met my best friends doing it, I've started businesses doing it I've traveled because of it, and I'm thinking if I can create an environment where people can experience what I've experienced and get the buzz without all the injury and the drama and you know all these things all these reasons why we don't do new stuff if i want to create a safe controlled environment and bring you in just like what we did with you guys and say give this a blast put your feet here put your hands here pump your tires up to this you know what i mean and just kind of put a little bit of something in place and then let people have a blast i can't think of too many people in all of the years i'm like i'm 15 years now doing skate parks i can't think of too many times ever where somebody just said no i don't like it and stopped and left i i can't even think of one time
0: you know yeah that's it, pretty cool that's, oh, that's super really? cool man i mean we you know like i said i've been in the scene of this for so long and i understand when it comes to learning and like the like just teaching people and te- and learning how to learn mm. um again like you are just thrown in a school and they're like you know just throw you in the deep end they don't even teach you like how to learn you follow like what their the curriculum is and it's kind of like just following order so there's never like a, a creative way or like outside a box way at of thinking outside of what you're given yes and what i love about the world that you're in is that there is so much creativity there's so much fun to the point where learning is just like automatic Mm -hmm. and uh and then like just taking that and applying it to like reading books or learning anything that's academic or more cerebral it's the same process To me but i never knew that it was just like i don't want to be here i don't want to be learned i don't know why i'm learning this in school if they could find a way that was more like playful fun and it seemed like outside of you know maybe kindergarten or you know the earlier formative years where you're using a lot of color different kinds of materials like once I started to get into like the serious academic subjects, it was just like it really depended on who your teacher was, right? And totally.
1: Like I can think of, I, I know whose teacher, I know what teachers I liked in high school. And coincidentally, I did well in all their subjects, bar one, by the way, you know, but she was a total drill sergeant and I did well in her class, but I did not like her, mm. you know, and has that grade helped me in life? I don't know. I, I I genuinely think spending loads of time BMXing, as much as it really peeved off my parents when I was younger,
0: I think it's been the most the best investment of my life. Right? Because that's a thing that you learned, like street knowledge. You learn being out in the real world. You know, a lot of people are like coddled. I find I I, I certainly was coddled when I was younger. That's why I was very rebellious. Rebellious. I was trying to like. Get out of the cage. Mm-hmm. Um, I may not have been as rebellious in terms of like talking back to teachers or being disrespectful, but I would do things like on the back door, or the back end, mm-hmm. right? I find ways to like sneak out, I find ways to, you know, maybe break some laws or something. Like, <laughs> thank God for like uh, statutes of limitation. But, you know, it was just like in high school, I just kind of reached this point where I had like a double life. Where like I could be academic, but I also would like sneak around and do like fun shit and um and be an athlete and be in organized sports like ice hockey. Like I literally loved it. It was instant. BMX was the same thing. The only reason I didn't get so deep into BMX is just it was so painful, man. But again, I didn't have I didn't break it down. I didn't think I thought I just had to like just go like send it, you know? Yeah. And, um, so I just I, literally like said, no, I can't do this, but that's why I like surfing. I, I think that's really common.
1: I think what you're saying is a pretty, I don't know, is it a, is it a primitive thought? Is it like, I need to be good at this. So I don't think I can be good. So I'm not going to try. I'm going to find something else to be good at. And I, and I mean, I know for a fact that's really common, you know? A guy messaged me this morning, I have something for sale on social media, and a guy messaged me and says, have you got anything cheaper? Because I don't want to spend too too much money in case I don't like it. Or no, he said, in case I'm not good at it. And my reply to him was, nobody's good at it. Be okay with not being good. And don't try to be good. Just make sure it's fun. And I kind of turned the conversation to, hey, you want to buy something off me To come and ride the skate park with me mm. you know so who knows how it's gonna go but it's so common
0: it's common it's right? so common i do not
1: realize it i don't i don't want to go through the pain of getting good is it cool don't just just go through the pain of having fun you know i got an interesting statistic it's statistically 600 percent More dangerous to carry baskets of clothes up and down stairs than it is to ride a BMX in a skate park.
2: I love it.
0: (laughs) That makes so much sense, right? Like, you
1: seem to me like if you're going to break something like a knee or an elbow or a flipping jaw, why not have a great time Mm -hmm. than be doing something really mundane? You know? Now, don't get me wrong, many, many more people carry baskets of clothes up and down stairs than ride bikes. Mm -hmm. But the point I'm making is that's a legitimate stat. And Touch wood. That's wood, that's that's isn't it? <laughs> Yeah. I've done all right. Yeah. 25 years on a bike. I've broke loads of stuff. Loads. Pelvis, elbow, fingers, arms, mm. teeth. I've ripped teeth out of my mouth and had them put back in. Yeah, yeah. And I've compression fractured vertebrae, broke my tailbone, broke my kneecap, <laughs> broke my toes.
0: And I have loved it. And it's healed and it works. And... See, like, earlier you were actually, like, convincing people to, like, join. Now you're convincing (laughs) them not to join. (laughs) Yeah, But but but. their point was just because, like, it's common for people to... uh, Assume the worst. Assume the worst, but also, like, they think that they have to, like, at least in my case, because I was pretty fearless. I would just take chances when I was younger. And I would just, like, try to emulate what I saw so you know it's the same in a gym environment being a trainer like I always call it like monkey see, monkey do. So you see someone benching a certain way, a lot of weight, and they're using like all their like body and they're squiggling, (laughs) right? And you're like, oh, okay, that's, you need to do that. But then you realize like that's not the proper way to lift, especially for longevity. So it's the same thing, I think, with these sports. And it isn't because you guys had gone through all this stuff and like broken bones and hurt yourself that you were able to give wisdom of like not what not to do. Exactly, exactly
1: and I kind of realized that about five years ago So I've been a BMXer way longer than I've been coaching BMX But it came to a certain point where I think it was maybe somebody else's words And somebody said, okay and here's Matt and he's going to show you what not to do And I was like, I absolutely know what not to do So people ask me for advice, you know, they would say, I'm getting into biking, I'm getting into BMXing, what should I do? And here's my three pieces of advice. Make sure your chain is tight and your wheel nuts are tight. Make sure your tires are hard and wear shin guards. That's it. You don't need an expensive bike. You just need a bike where the chain isn't gonna come off and you aren't gonna knee the stem. That's one common injury avoided. Two, the tires are hard. So you're not going to have punctures. That's disappointment avoided. And number three, wear shin guards because your feet will slip off the pedals and that injury sucks. Mm. It's like guaranteed. It's like getting into a shower and you're going to get wet. You ride BMX, your pedals are going to hit you in the shin. So if you wear shin guards, you're not going to have the injury. So you're not going to get put off. You're going to keep having a good experience. And then you kind of, you know, get to where I'm at maybe where Mm. you're just super stoked on it. Yeah. like even last Thursday I had a session with Mikey before going to the the bar again to see Ken and I fell off like five times in five minutes and I thought to myself my leg is gonna be black it was aching and it is black (laughs) 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 I've got a ginormous bruise but like so what I had such a buzz with the guys and we made a funny video and like it's gonna heal like no big deal I get it like it it's sore as heck but like so what
0: yeah you know, but that's I, your I, level right like you guys are that's your thing you love it um in our case um we were able to progress like to a point where we didn't have to like like fall so hard because you guys are literally going higher you're going faster whatever you're you're spinning around you're doing to me it's like martial arts on a on a couple of <laughs> wheels right yeah um you know without like like hitting somebody uh, that would be a, a sport bmx fighting <laughs> that'd be a guaranteed injury <laughs> <laughs> but uh no it's just so neat because what we think is possible it's incredible in terms of our confidence level if if there was one thing that we took away from BMX, even if we never like went bigger on bigger ramps or was just the fact that we could get to a place where we didn't think was possible. And if we decide to go to the next level where there might be a little bit of higher risk or a little more pain, like physically from a fall, um, just the takeaway for us is that it like transferred to life. And so what we learned through you guys, we could apply that same principle to anything, any kind of skill, even just like public speaking, right? Like to, to just have someone go to the front of the class and just give them a little bit of exposure looking at like the classroom. They don't even have to say anything. They don't have to have some important speech. They literally just go to the front of the class and just look at everybody, scan the class, look everybody in the eyes and then sit down Right. And then the next time they get up, next time they look, do the same thing, but then they say like a couple of sentences, introduce themselves, and then sit down. And then the next time, right? So you just build it up over time. And I've been able to apply that with like um, guitar, with kettlebells, right? Like, so
1: do you think whenever you're in the skate park and there's a lot of people there and you drop in to have your
0: run, it's all eyes on you, is that a little bit what that's like? Yeah. Yeah, that feels like a, a public speak, cause that was what I was trying to say, is everybody's looking at you, so you're... I never
1: thought of that. Yeah. But that totally makes sense. And, you know, I knew BMX gave me confidence, but maybe that's the way that it actually happened. You know, going to a competition is... Like, I can remember it now. I just wanted to be sick. You know, as in, like, physically throw up. I was so nervous. And then you kind of drop in, That's dropping in is when you start it's just like going down the ramp for the first time and then you're in the mix, you're doing it like dropping in for competitions the second I realised that I was doing what I do and I was in my comfort zone, I then kind of relaxed into it, my biggest problem was I didn't breathe so I could gain confidence by being, I think I've ridden a BMX in front of maybe maybe 10,000 people in Germany, maybe less, but it was like an absolutely ginormous crowd. And at those types of events, I I would have people who would message me even now saying, I remember you from Cologne in Germany, 2008, you know, because it would be like, I don't know, my birthday on Facebook or something. And I'm still friends with that person. And they'll be like, hey, you did that trick. That's a nuts feeling like. But like, you know, being in front of everybody for that moment, I'm guessing I'm guessing that's where my confidence came from. Mm-hmm. I think.
0: Yeah, it's so. It's, uh, the thing that's cool is in most things in life, you don't understand why you're like practicing. So, the same with like organized sports. Like, why are we doing drills? Cause like we just want to scrimmage, we just want to play. Right. And it's like they're teaching you all the little like progression, the skills. But if they had told you like why they were doing that and then you saw the result then you would be willing to invest more time into developing the skills and then stringing them along to create like a performance. So you have like rehearsals. So you have like, you know, let's say right before your big BMX uh, contest, you're warming up, you're doing your rehearsals, you're going through your bike lines and stuff. The same thing for any like major performance, whether it's backstage for a concert to... Um, you know, maybe like a ballet or something or or a dance, like performance. There's always like a rehearsal. And then the high that you get, right, that's amazing when you do a public speech and everybody's clapping or laughing. They come up to you after like that was incredible. But how can you reverse engineer that? And that that took time for me to understand. And so I just kind of had to learn the hard way. And with our wisdom, I hope that we can, like, pass that on to the next generation. And it seems like it's starting to happen because of YouTube and all these, like, different platforms, outlets for uh, people to pass that wisdom on. But, you know, just seeing Judy's transformation, not only in health, but just facing fears and facing things that she thinks are like of ultimate consequences of you know breaking a bone or something you know it's it's so neat to see her I, I almost get more enjoyment you know seeing her get past a fear where she realized like oh my god it it, it the fear was bigger than the actual thing that she was doing mm-hmm <laughs>
2: funny because it makes me think um of when I was trying to conquer the fear of that little half pipe um and Mikey was like talking me through it and he was so good because like I was proper scared of it just because I'd had that one bad experience with it but like I had no idea what I was doing and clearly you know just didn't know one basic thing and if I'd known that would been fine mm-hmm. so when they were like I, you guys were like oh you just do this and I'm like oh right okay that makes sense Alright, oh, right okay but then just the fear like the drop stuff so once I'd like literally just done it and I was like so pleased that I'd like gone off and I hadn't messed up and I got to the other side and then I'd, I'd done it, it a few more times Mikey was like so pumped he was like yeah yeah you got it you got it and I was like super excited with myself it
1: is so exciting oh, to amazing. see somebody do something that they're telling you they can't I totally buzz off that so and it's this whole like i want to turn can't do into candy mm. you know so or like haven't yet you know so like what you said like i can remember seeing you drop in <laughs> and you being like totally freaked and then it happens and we're like yes i knew it was gonna happen <laughs> not because the i told you so but it's just like we've got that person another one percent you know and but, even if you didn't do any more percent, it's still that fact that you're going to go away and talk about that and be like, I thought I couldn't do that. Then I did. and like, I love that.
2: Totally. It doesn't the, matter what it is. And it wasn't like for me, that was not one percent. That was like massive. It was like massive, massive, because like when I really wanted to do it and like thinking about the next step up from that literally scared the life out of me. I'd like then transferred the fear over to the next, the, the <laughs> next like bigger half pipe. Yeah. And Maggie's like, yeah, you can totally do it. We'll do this next. And it was so funny. I was like, I'm just going to go to the bathroom. I went to the bathroom and cried. 40 years old and I cried. And it was because I had this thing where every time I'm like scared of stuff, I roll it all up together in this ball. It's sitting here and then I'm facing that jump off a cliff or that whatever it is. I put it all into this thing. And it's like, if I can get over all of these fears, not just this fear of doing this one thing, I like put it all in this one event which is complete nonsense but that's how that's why I was so afraid to go off the first half pipe because it wasn't just that one fear of I might do that might do it wrong I would compact everything that I'm scared of and everything that I'm not doing at this moment because I'm scared of doing it I compile it all in that one moment it's like total nonsense so I had a cry went Judith this is ridiculous come on it's fine and nobody's not going to make you do something that you don't want to do and got back out there and I was like Okay. Okay. And I didn't do it that time. That was fine. Mm -hmm. But there was no pressure there put on me to do it. Mm -hmm. So I kept on thought, well, if I keep getting my confidence with this we want, then I'll move on. And then ages later when I was there, um, Mikey, because there's one one of your ramps, the rock and roll ramp. Yeah. I was like, so wanted to do it. And I would tried, I think it was a week or two before. And it was so funny because I didn't even know if I could cycle up it. So I went on to the other... I can't remember what you call these ramps and I basically like climbed up to it and Mm -hmm. carried my bike up to Mm -hmm. it and then I'm sitting there and all the little kids are like flying on and off it and they're kind of waiting for me and I'm like no no you go first you go first (laughs) kind of thing and I sat like up there and I was just like oh crap I can't do it and I literally like took the shame of carrying my bike and went down the other and just went off it and then I think Mikey must have seen me and he was like Judith you can do this and I'm like I don't think I can. And he's like, right, okay, what we'll do. And he just stepped it out. And he was, okay, I want you to like cycle from here, really pedal on the flat bit, da, 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 and then you'll get yourself up. But I'm going to be that other side. So if you can't get it up the ramp, then I'm going to push you that last little bit. So it, like, did what he told me, flew up the ramp right at the top. And he's like, geez, I didn't think you'd do that. That was easy. And yeah, and that was the thing because I hadn't even thought, oh yeah, the whole process of actually getting up it mm-hmm. totally changed my whole concept of, well, if I can get up it, I can get down it.
1: That's exactly how I teach dropping in. Mm-hmm. And I try to use reverse psychology all the time because you just, you learn these traits in people and then you're like, okay, we're only going to get around that by doing it a different way. So this is, this is like a little mantra I came up with ages ago, like in T13. What's the point in being at the top of the ramp to roll down if you can't get back up once you get down? So I teach you how to get up and as soon as you get up, you go back down again. So I would teach that as well. And that's exactly what he did. And then you had that realization. Well, and this is a really important thing. It's a psychological barrier for people. People look at a ramp. Everybody forgets that it starts at the floor and goes to the top. Mm -hmm. So just because it has a top doesn't mean that you have to be on top. You know, you can climb up a ladder. One foot, the middle, the very top, you know, it's really scary at the top, not so scary at the middle and not scary at all at the one step. So by you going up the ramp from the ground and then literally getting to the top, you're just like, well, I've already done the journey just in reverse. Now I'm just going to go back down again, you know, rather than looking at it from the top and just seeing the sheer drop to the floor. (laughs) Yeah. You know, (laughs) and that's kind of that seems to be how everybody's brain works. And like, hey, don't forget the ramp starts at the floor. Mm -hmm. Use the bottom. You know, people would come in and they would look at the send it ramp. Little do they know it's the safest ramp in the whole country. It's so wide, you can't go off the edge. It's so tall, you can't snag your front wheel on the top. Mm. Show me a ramp safer than that. There isn't any. But because it's the tallest and it's designed to give experienced riders maximum speed, but unexperienced riders maximum safety, people see the height and think sheer drop to face. Mm. (laughs) And it's like you have more chance of being hit by the moon. (laughs) <laughs> than having that fall yeah it's just you know what I mean so I can relate to what you're saying
2: but I, I think and that's it's cool
1: that's, that he was able to articulate exactly. that to you in a way that you were able to
2: because I, I tried and my logic was you get to the top and then you go off it mm-hmm. and that was just way too scary I mean so when it was the oh right you just do that and get to the top of it and then once I was up I was like <gasps> i didn't think i could do that and i just like it was super easy
1: mm. i just and that buzz for you must be nuts yeah because <laughs> sorry to, sorry to jump into your story but like when i started bmx and i was riding seven years before skate park opened Wow! so we had no ramps for a really long time so your experience in my beginnings plus six foot of ramp mm. in your first six months that must mm. be nuts
0: mm.
1: like turbo buzz <laughs> like i've I don't even know how long it's been since I've had that kind of buzz,
0: mm. you know? But, but like, seen how seen. cool is that? Yeah, I definitely noticed that because it carried, it carried over not just that night, but a few days after, maybe a whole week, I could see the difference in Judy in terms of the translation of that buzz to other areas of life. Yes. And that's what I love about, like, BMX, you know? I mean... I don't know, it's just something primal. I think it's like because we went from as human beings to just like, you know, being bipedalers of walking to the invention of the wheel and then putting two wheels on a frame and then pedaling with the chain just to like locomote through space and then. I don't know what why that feels like an extension of ourselves like with the technology um but my point is with like judy to see her using a technology to experience like another reality
2: yeah and
1: real realizing you have abilities you didn't even know yeah and then you i don't know like maybe you have such a sense of achievement and gratitude that you just take that good vibration with you onto the next thing. And that's what I really kind of hope for. Like, I'm not always really using that exact terminology, but ultimately I want to like dare you to do something in the most positive, encouraging way possible. So that whenever you do do it, no matter how small to us, it may seem to you, it's going to be huge. Then you, then you go away and you're just elevated. You know what I mean? And we want everyone to come in and have a cool experience and be elevated and just come back for that top up. Yeah, like I was saying to Carolina, that's my wife. We went partying on Saturday night in Belfast for the first time in donkeys because, you know, the whole world's been hiding inside for a long time. Mm -hmm. So we went to this night out in um, in Ballyhackamore. Now, it's not actually a nightclub. It's a working men's club that this DJ duo called the Night Institute have hired out and they do their own nights. And I go there specifically because the quality of the sound is excellent. So, I mean, there's hundreds of nightclubs, but not all hundreds of them. The music sounds really, really good. Sometimes it's pitchy and like I have sensitive ears, so I can't really deal with a sound system that's kind of screaming at you. You know, it's just not a nice experience. And that sound system is, is awesome. And we had the best night. And I was saying to Carolina, I feel like I'm recharged in a way that nothing else could give me that kind of boost, you know? So we hope that we can create an environment that that people can come in and get a little kick that they don't get anywhere else. Mm. And I guess, really, that's kind of why we all kind of, that's why we do it. Like, there's nothing else I do that gives me that buzz of BMX. And just like there's nowhere else I can go that gave me the buzz of that night out.
0: Yeah, this sense of feeling alive, right? I feel like so many people are kind of just grinding away, gone day to day. I mean, it's understandable, numbed out. numbed out, right? And then, you know, the weekends come and just blowing their money on trying to like feel numb more
1: <laughs> even numb more or sometimes right? n- yeah numb might, whatever has been melting them all week
0: yeah right and uh just the fa- the fact that like you learn something new you're around a cool community of people you have that buzz because you're taking risk right because the society as a whole is pretty risk averse yeah yeah so the fact that like you don't have to take a massive risk where you're like going to like, you know, kill yourself doing something, but like something so minute that it gives you this sense of feeling alive and a exactly. buzz of of rush and Yeah. And uh you know, that's what we get with you guys. And and on the the, the flip side of the token, you guys probably look at us when we go in the ice. And the cold water, as we were the ones like gone up, send it, you know, 20 feet, 30 well, feet in the air. Two years ago, I did. Yeah. I looked at people swimming in the sea
1: thinking, how can they do that? I stand with my feet in the water and I get like a headache <laughs> <laughs> and I have to leave instantly. Whereas, you know, I have been introduced to that in a way where that's another thing that I love and I do it religiously. Right. You know? And I have friends, and I'm trying to encourage them to come, and they're like, I couldn't possibly, I couldn't possibly. And it's like, cool, so you can't roll down a ramp because you're scared. You can't get into cold water because you're scared. You're not going to do a bungee jump because you're scared. You know, you can't drive your car over 70 miles an hour. It's like, come on. Mm. You know, if you're in the right environment to take a risk and experience the risk,
0: but in a managed way, that's where the super buzz comes from. right. It doesn't have to be, like, go full body in ice or cold water. Just put your feet in the water. Yeah. Go barefoot on the sand, right? Like, get out of your, your get house. Get out of your way. Bo- <laughs> yeah. I mean, literally, it's, uh, I mean, we still have things. If we're all, like, self-honest and, like, analyze ourselves, there's something that we're all not looking at that we know that if we just took, like, one little step towards we just keep thinking we need to, like, go big, like, on the first day. So
1: we all suck at, like, reverse engineering the issue. Yeah. You know, I, I'm i afraid of further education. I feel like if I would only let myself be leveled up with, like, obtaining new knowledge by the means of reading, I could be elevated, right? I know that. But I still avoid it. I've bought loads of books. <laughs> and I've read very few of them although it's like I have to be in the right state of mind which is kind of challenging so maybe really that's the exact same thing maybe you just need to be in that right state of mind at that right moment, at that right time to try it once like I can't, even, I can't even remember actually why Oh, I do know why I got into cold water so we went for Jason who works with us We went for his birthday just for an adventure and we ended up at Bloody Bridge in Newcastle and we climbed up, had a really kind of nice experience with Phil, you know, up the mountain and overlooking the sunset and whatever and we just kind of followed the water down to the bottom and found that Paddy's Hole place by accident and we thought, cool, yep, we're all up for it, let's just jump in and we jumped in, I hated it, it was freezing, (laughs) it was like borderline traumatic experience (laughs) yeah and then i just mentioned it to somebody and they were like oh yeah that's a great spot for like doing cold water immersions and then we went back and we kind of like psyched ourselves up to jump in and stay there for a minute now this is in summer of like 2020 so the water was like 15 degrees (laughs) it was borderline warm but until you know what cold water is you know i thought that was cold but we jumped in and we did it and we got out feeling epic and I mean here we are like what two years later still doing it Yep, I love it yeah, but I had to be in the right frame of mind to to start that you know and yeah, maybe yeah. that's what we're all maybe we just need those little opportunities here and there or people to care enough to be like I'll do that with
0: you you know yeah I think it is like a bit of hand holding you know uh, whether it's your child or a mentor it's just i don't think you know just to push back a little bit it's like no not uh the right state of mind it's just like the mind to try the bare minimum you know just the entry level Mm. so like you guys went like from like nothing to like jump straight in the water and you know it is relative because it's 15 degrees celsius and to you that's like a big deal to us like that's like you know in bath water <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally well,
1: now yeah even now i'm getting into the water now being like this is not cold right right and it's
0: so deep to cold. see go ahead judy i
2: was gonna say matt's been doing it super cold over the winter like what was the coldest oh, 2.9 yeah two-ish yeah, that's that cold. was a shock that's cool because i feel but it was amazing in that yeah
0: and the difference is it's not that it's a still body of water it's flowing water and that's even if it's close to freezing it because it's flowing past you it's colder if mm-hmm. you're sitting in a bucket of ice and you don't move you get a yeah, thermal the layer warms up around you yeah well yeah. that's like sort of the magic trick because on camera it looks like holy crap these people are like ice Iceman or ice woman, right? Mm-hmm. Like um, but you're just sitting in this like warm cocoon. Now if you moved your your body, your your arms and legs, that's a whole you're different freezing. Yeah. <laughs> if you throw salt in there, that's a whole other level of cold, right? So a lot of people don't know that salt changes the freezing temperature of water. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it takes colder Temperature to freeze water—that's salt, water, right? oh, yeah. salt water, right? But the yeah. feeling of being in it, even if it's you know forty. Well, sorry, that's uh, Fahrenheit. I'm still like gone through the metrics here, but you know, close to zero degrees. It may be like uh, ten degrees, but salt water versus ten degrees in fresh water, ten degrees salt water uh, centigrade will be feel way more cold, you know. Um, It's an interesting phenomenon, but just to see your progression, how you stuck with it. For me, I took it to the end and then I just knew my body. I wasn't, I'm not averse to cold. I just don't get the benefit, you know, uh, like I did before because I found that I was literally wanting to hibernate after like getting that adrenaline boost. Mm -hmm. And then couple hours after hanging out drink, yeah i would literally just like have to take a nap right mm-hmm. and so for productivity purposes i didn't really i just knew like okay this this comes down to like dosage to you right now yeah yeah and so that's the thing with even the ramps one is you know being handheld. Mm -hmm. through, like, a process that seems scary. So, like, you're the master of BMX, right? And you're, like, hand-holding us through, like, the beginning stages. So that's, like, a small dose, a micro-dose of a BMX at a certain, like, fear level, right? We can take you to the cold at a, like, micro-dose level. And then eventually you just build up, just like weight training over time. Your body's going to adapt. You're going to get stronger and get more resilient, and if you enjoy it even better and then you get to a place where you know yourself well enough so that's for me the wisdom is you know you guys kind of like joke with me you're like come on tony man let's go to the next level i'm like i'm 44 man <laughs> i'm like i want i don't d- care <laughs> yeah i want to do other i'm gonna be 44 yeah man you've been doing it for a long time right? like it's the same for me like i love doing uh, martial arts and jiu-jitsu but i also love life and i want to be able to like not have any broken bones and, you know, be debilitated where I can't even do other things that I enjoy. So for me at this level, I want to learn like just the beginner stuff Mm. to a level where I feel like competent. If I want to go to the next level and I feel like it could be done safely, you know, then I'll do that. But just like I value my spine. I've seen people that have bad backs and like older folks so especially people that have gone to black belt level and jiu-jitsu or even higher for brazilian jiu-jitsu and they're all getting like disreplace. replaced they're all backs are all messed up and like although i respect that they put in the time and effort to get to that level mm-hmm. i value i want to be able to use this body pain free as long as possible so i'll get to a place And that's myself, honestly. I'll get to a place where I feel like I'm competent enough, and hopefully, I can maybe through weight training build my body stronger so that I could go to the next level. I know exactly what you mean, and
1: I'm at that stage in my life where I've BMXed for a long time, but I'm at level twenty, and I know my my shape and my you know stature has changed a lot. I've maybe peaked out at level 20. Now I'm just making this up. Let's say there's 30, 40 levels. I'm at like 20, for example. But because I've put on weight and kind of got busier with work and life and didn't really prioritize exercise like what I did when I was younger, I know for me to go from 20 to 21 is going to take serious. I'm going to have to be lighter. I'm going to have to be stronger because to go from 20 to 21, there's going to be falls. And like, I need to be, I've said this to Mikey, you know, I don't want to try certain tricks that I might even be able to do right now. But if I had a fall in the middle of trying to learn it, that fall might mangle me, you know? So totally get what you're saying. Like, you need to be physically ready for the adverse
0: part of progressing, you know? Yeah, they call it a trade-off, right? It's like, that. whatever you're going to put in, are you going to, is there a trade-off of the 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 risk-benefit uh, ratio, right? So, yeah, and we uh, see that with Hando a lot, don't we? Mm-hmm. So Hando
1: is one of the best riders in BMX ever in this country, and he's getting really good, and he's progressing all the time, but he's getting injured all the time. But he's lucky to have you, because when, <laughs> when Mikey and I were younger and we were riding heavier bikes with no foam pit and no resi, and like we were kind of like... not even coaching we were just daring each other oh my goodness like i've seen him in serious states and he's seen me in serious states and we've driven each other to hospital in serious states you know whereas like if we had met someone like you when we were younger god knows where we'd be probably not running skate parks you know we'd be living it up riding Mm -hmm. comps doing mad stuff if we if we if our bodies held out
0: yeah yeah, it was just a timing of things, right? I think I hope that we could, and, that, and that's what's really cool about the the scene is that they're starting to um, cross pollinate from different things, from rehab to performance of like strength and conditioning and like stretching, yoga, mindfulness, meditation, visualization it's so neat to see where the sport has gone to where it has become very professional where it's 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 a bit of like mixed martial art where you're learning different martial arts but you're also learning like nutrition you're learning like how to uh, allow your body to recover better and we can do that like at our level but to see the younger generation like being able to have the tools that we didn't have and the resources and to see like how far the sport of anything has progressed in just the last like 20 years it's pretty neat you know like had we had that that would have been cool um that's just the nature of life but can we apply what we know now to other areas of our life so for me business and being an entrepreneur is my version of like riding a 50-foot wave or something or, you know, jumping off a 20, 30-foot, like, ramp or getting that high in the air. Well, I hope you don't jump off a
2: 20,
0: 30-foot ramp. <laughs> well, I mean, like, with a bike, you know. It's oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But that, to me, is, like, how can I take that and apply those principles of all those things uh, when is to become healthier so I look at like the best I, like I look at who's the best in their field in the world and then I look at like who's also uh, in it the longest so if you want to live long you look at the longest living people you don't see that many buff bodybuilder bodies of people living to like late 80s 90s over hundred right so if you want to live long you probably don't want to have like too much body mass especially like obviously too much like adipose tissue but also too much muscle right so th- that takes a toll on its heart on the heart so you you start to study and observe that, that's why like Judy and I love hanging out with older folks. Right, because they've been there, done that. So, we, what could we learn from them? The way the kids are learning from us in BMX in terms of how to recover from injuries, how to prevent injuries. If you do fall, because you have a little bit of muscle mass or strength or reaction speed, agility, your um, kinesthetic awareness and space. So you know you have cat like reflexes the way i've seen you guys just like a cat stuck in a bear's (laughs) body no man that's what's so impressive right because you're you have a bike um a bmx bike that's for ramps and tricks and they're smaller than like the bmx that i had right so not only are they smaller but you're a big dude on a small bike, and the shit that you could do in this bare body like a cat, it's like, holy right. sh... We're just like, how does Mad G do that? You balance on a wheel, and you spin around, and then you drop in on that front wheel, right? I,
1: I think the fact that I am the complete opposite of what you would imagine a BMXer is, for me, I think that's my literal icebreaker. So you know you, you we all can't help it we have we meet somebody and we have an assumption of them and we kind of sum them up and paint a picture in our imagination and then i make a point to try and show people my passion because really i don't want to try and I want to take it as far as it can go. I want to enjoy it to the maximum, whatever that means, whether it's education, whether it's facilities, whether it's jobs, whether it's events, whatever. I want it all. I want to do it all. So when I meet people and that, and you know, I can tell when people kind of write me off, think, oh, right, who's this guy? Judging the book by its cover. Yeah. So I'll, especially if I'm trying to develop the business or offer something or build new connections, I'll bring people to Thunder Park and i've done this loads of times uh if someone's coming for a meeting i'll say wear comfortable shoes the facility's huge you're gonna do a lot of walking that's a spoof
2: <laughs> you're gonna get them on a bike
1: i bring people in
2: <laughs> sorry so i was saying he's gonna get them on the bike <laughs>
1: so i've done this loads of times and it's really funny because ever there's that shock panic of oh no you didn't And I'm kind of thinking, well, you know, you really need to understand what I'm talking about. I'd like you to experience it. Here's a bike and a helmet. We're going to go over to that ramp. And then we're going to talk about whatever we're going to talk about. And I can show you a picture of a girl who I brought in, two women from a banger-based business. And I wanted my business to partner with their business to bid for funding to do a community project. And these women are in their 40s. And they came with comfortable shoes. I gave them bikes and helmets, put them on a ramp and got them to roll down. And I was like... You know, you're not really going to understand what I'm talking about until you feel it. Mm. And I've done that many times. And I have really good connections and establish really good relationships with people whenever, one, they're trying something new. But two, you know, they try something they thought they couldn't do. Yeah. And there, there is tons. This is where reverse psychology totally comes in. Like sometimes I'll even say, I'll write you a blank check. You fall off and hurt yourself. You can have any amount of money you want. That's how confident I am that you're not going to. I wouldn't be in business as long as I am if people were killing themselves, you know? But you really gotta push people. And I'm happy to push people because I know what it's like to be pushed and it's, it's good at times. But the point I'm making is um, I've brought people in and got them to roll down ramps. And off the back of that, we formed really good relationships. And like what you're saying, I don't look like a BMXer. I just can't help it. Maybe I should change my diet and I would. <laughs> or, you know, it's irrelevant. But, you know, I'm a heavy guy. I'm like 21 stone. That's, no, I'm, I'm 19, 125 kilos. That's a lot. That's, I've pretty much maintained that weight, though, for about nine years. So, yeah, when I get on a bike and do what I can do, nobody expects it. So then, I don't know, maybe I get a little bit more respect or credibility in their mind because they're like, okay, didn't see that coming, Mm. you know? And it's like, okay, cool. Well, what else can I surprise you with, you know? And most of the really good relationships I've built up in the last number of years have been using the bike to break that stereotype or to, you know, completely turn someone's idea on their head. And they're like, well, you know, if I'm trying to tell you about a project I'd like you to get involved in and you don't rate it, well, are you maybe using the same mindset while you're judging me as to the project,
0: you know? I'm just rambling a little nonsense. No, no, that was brilliant, man. We're going to be uh, wrapping up um, pretty soon here. So, uh, Judy, do you have any other things that you want that we haven't discussed or come across your mind that you want to ask Matt?
2: Um, Well, the thing that I thought of was it's all about fun. When you put fun into the element of what you're doing, it completely changes it. Like, completely changes it. So, you know, for me, I wanted to do those things at the park. I'd seen it. Uh, you know, you see like all these little kids just going for it, loving life. It just looks amazing. And whenever you get that little thrill of, I just went down that ramp or I just did this or I did that, whatever, it's just that's the satisfaction that's there. And immediately when I did that rock and roll ramp, I was like, if I can do that, what else can I do was literally the thought in my head. And that was like universal over my whole life. It wasn't just what else can I do in the park? It was like, what else can I do? What else am I stopping myself from doing? Because I've been scared. But it's fun in the park. You know, you've got awesome tunes going, nice vibes, friendly people, people cheering you on. You know what I mean? Like these little kids are like, oh, well done. Do you know what I mean? I don't know them. They're gorgeous little souls because they saw it was a big deal for me and encouraged me in my journey. And we can do that, whatever. And I think being able to put yourself around people that will challenge you, but will also be an inspiration to you, but then also be like a supporter. And, and
1: they all want yourself. you to win.
2: Exactly, exactly. And that was what the, the first thing that we saw at the competition, the first BMX competition that we went to. You guys were all cheering each other on, boosting each other to make sure that they got like that trick, that they were either in competition with each other, but they were totally like, you know.
1: And you know that if you make the crowd make noise, that person's energy will just lift and then they might get it. And if they do, then the whole place goes bonkers.
2: Literally. And it was the nicest thing to see because I've never seen that in a competitive environment. Like I used to do a lot of athletics and running things. You didn't get that you know, you might got a, bit, oh, well done or whatever, but you could see the pain of the person At best, congratulating you because you <laughs> did better than them. But you didn't have that, like they were stoked for you. Yeah, And that's what you get in the park. Um, but it's that whole element of fun. You can put fun into learning. So I was thinking about reading a book. Mm-hmm. Why don't you read something because it's fun? Because I keep trying to make myself read books because they're educational or because of this or because Funny of that. Funny
1: you say that. Well, all of the books I've bought and I'm trying to get myself to read are these books that I'm hoping I'm going to have some profound epiphany. And I'm kind of like, oh, I don't know if I have the mental energy after the day I've had to try and get that out of it. I think again, you need to
0: like uh, chunk it down though. You don't have to read the whole book. Just read like a paragraph. Right, read a couple of sentences and then next thing you know, maybe an hour goes by and you're like, holy crap, I just read a whole chapter or something. Mm -hmm. So it's the same thing, right? I just wanted to say earlier about the, uh, you made a great point Judy about competition and usually people are are like maybe shit talking or like trying to like bully each other, like power play each other into being in a certain uh, bracket of uh, being a winner, second, third, whatever. Like, that's the difference I saw in the BMX world is that, like, you guys were like the, the all, what do they say, all ships uh, rise with the rising tide. So you guys elevated the rising all Rising tide lifts all boats. Lifts all boats, right? I'm very dyslexic that way, but. So am I. <laughs> so am I you the got only one it, I remember. Yeah. Um, but you never see that in any other industry. Every industry isn't trying to elevate. Each other whether it's school you know uh whether it's like a, a job or a, a corporation or like an organization it's rare to see everybody just rooting each other on or if someone is having a hard time everybody encouraging that person like hey we know you could do this and they're cheering and then that person feels that energy and they just it's like something carries them through to the finish line right and you see that in the military in some ways like yeah they tease each other there's a little bit of like banter a little bit of bullying but the whole goal in war is you can't like you have to like do this everyone has to go together that's right man and you know i i hope that what the bmx world does can In a a good way, infect the world that It almost
1: seems like, and, and maybe you've just coined what I'm trying to do without even knowing. I'm like, this is just good. It's all good. It's good vibes. It's good exercise. It's good energy. It's good buzz. It's good camaraderie. So not a bit of wonder I'm trying to get everyone to experience it. I just didn't even know why. I just felt like it was the right thing to do because it is a buzz. And you can come on bike nights surrounded by bikers and not even feel like you're BMXers. And you're going to get stoked for us being like, whoa, that was epic. And we're going to be like, I know you're not comfortable doing that. That's so cool. So I maybe it's a certain type of person who gets into these types of sports because they feel drawn to it. But like I know personally that I really, really enjoy the social element of it. You know, like the more BMXers are in the park, the more buzz there is. You know what i mean everywhere you're looking there's a trick that either you're not good at or you like to watch because they're good at it like mikey can do turn downs nobody else can like how many well of course other people can but that's one trick that he just makes look epic so people want to come and see him do them and hendo can take his hands off and look like an eagle so we all just want to see him do it all day long you know and who knows what people are looking at me for? They're just like, I can't be, I can't believe he's not falling off. <laughs> Maybe that's it. But like we just enjoy that and I want other people to enjoy it. Forget backflips. Forget the big ramps. Just roll around.
0: Yeah, that's a thing, like for us, even Judy would say, just bike around the park. Even if you're only going, like, six inches up the ramp. Yeah. Once you roll understand. Around and you feel, like, the flow of the, the angles, yeah. the curve of the ramp. and
1: When everybody gets to the point. Sorry, dude. When everybody gets to the point where they realize that all of the ramps touch the ground, then you just start rolling around. And you're, like, carving waves like a surfboard all over the place. Right. And you're just like, I can use the whole facility.
0: Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And that's the thing. I, I love the idea of feeling momentum, you know, cause you're like human powered and you go up and then using gravity, like roll back down. And there's something that it, I don't know how that works with the brain and the eyeballs,
1: you know? Well, there are studies that say, now I don't know who studied this um, off the top of my head, but there are studies to confirm that rolling sports are exceptionally beneficial for autistic people. You know, so there's something in the motion of rolling that's very kind of therapeutic and, you know...
0: Calming and... Put put you at ease. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Any uh, final words as we wrap up, Matt? Like, where can people uh, find you on the web, um, on social media?
1: So first and foremost, I want to thank my mom because mom has always given me the space to be whatever I wanted to be without judging me, which was epic. We love Norma. Yeah. Hi, Norma. Yeah. Thank you. I want to thank Carolina, my wife. Because love you, Carolina. <laughs> she also saw me where I was at and appreciated me for it and pushed me to be better. So I've achieved a lot. So all great men have a good woman behind them, is a true story. Um, I want to thank you guys because I love your energy and you're quite possibly the nicest people I know. Uh, I love all my guys and girls at Thunder Park and the, the brand in general we're experiencing really cool things together and I love it and I want to do it forever and I want to thank Max for telling me he loves me because it's the best thing you could ever hear and uh, if anybody wants to enjoy what I've enjoyed for a really long time, come and see us at Thunder Park in Bangor we're on Facebook and Instagram at Thunder Park Ireland and everybody's welcome and we just want to have a good time with as many people as we can
0: thank you so much for coming on to hangry and hoarding brother and uh yeah we look forward to having you again cool yeah. let's eat let's eat <laughs> <laughs> cheers cheers